Hello and welcome to the Mordinary Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Meredith. And we are the Moors. We are ordinary people who have experienced more than ordinary circumstances. Settle in as we discuss ordinary life and its extraordinary potential. So welcome to episode two of the Mordinary Podcast. We really want to thank our community for just the support and um, affirmation we got after the first episode. So that was really, really, we really want to thank you for that. Go back and fill in just one piece of that last uh, episode where we talked about when we were in the hospital. And we're going to kind of springboard off of that and talk about our community today. So when we were in the hospital, Meredith's going to kind of fill us in on what all things were going on when we were, when I came out of my surgery and when news was being broken. Yeah, well, the part that we wanted to share um, that springboards into the community, like Johnny said, is the night of his big back surgery when they were trying to just fuse all the bones and put the the rods and the screws in his back his sister came to me and right before the day before the surgery and she said what what do you want done what could we do and I just said the only thing we all can do right now is pray so I said if people are looking for ways to help they can come that night of the surgery and just sit with us and pray and I really thought maybe just 10 people would come I was just floored and amazed at the amount of people that came and the different groups that came to support us. There was, I I wish I would have counted so I can say for sure, but I'm guessing, and I know people out there may know the number more than I do, that maybe about 80 people were there. A surreal moment of, wow, okay, this, this is awesome. Like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this, and my family's not alone in this we've got support. I just remember being in the room and different groups coming up and, and they, they would come up to me, but they weren't like overbearing, but they would come up and say, can I pray with you? And it just, it gave me this, this sense of like peace and at a time that was very scary because we didn't know how you would do during the surgery. You were very touch and go. And the more I talk about the doctors that worked on you, there's, there's some miracles that did happen your head, they don't know how you didn't have a brain bleed or how your brain didn't swell. Things like that, that's like, wow, like that could have happened very quickly um, and we could have lost you. Just the whole idea of the power of prayer is very real Yeah. and was very present that night, what community can do. I think that is a great model for what we're going to talk about today, where we talk about um, just how community rallied around us following my accident, um, how we handled that outpour support, and then also the advice we would give to somebody who wanted to reach out to somebody that was going through a trauma or crisis, advice that we would give from the other side, from somebody that's gone through crisis or trauma, how you'd be best approached. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of the immediate things that happened after the accident, some, some of the immediate responses from our community and just how we received support from people. And I mean, first was just the immediate response to yeah, the scene itself I, I, after that night then it was how else can we help and so it was during the time of when there was no power our refrigerator all that food we had in there people were on it they went and they cleaned out our refrigerator they saw that we were in the middle of a flooring project like johnny literally left to go help his friend in the middle of us ripping up our floor so they finished that for us before we got home they took care of our dog and Johnny's a, a crazy dog. He's a special type of dog. <laughs> he, he was special. 
Yeah, he never really became our dog after that. No. Um, it, but they went and took care of him, and he jumped around to different houses, and, and he was taken care of, so we didn't have to worry about him. Yeah. The, the other thing that was amazing is the fire department opened up a bank account for us, because it was kind of in the local paper, and people wanted to know other ways to help. And so they said, financially, why don't we open a bank account and people can just donate there. Mm -hmm. And it was unbelievable the amount of money that was put into there. The, the fact that that amount of money is what paid for our remodeling and for us to get a brand new car that could help for Johnny is unbelievable. Yeah. People we didn't even know and that we won't ever meet touched us. And hopefully you're hearing us right now and you were one of those people. We want to say thank you. Yeah, it was really incredible that we, we had this really tight core of people around us, but then there was this outer core of people who maybe had no connection or very little connection to us that still stepped up and helped where they could, and, and th that was always really cool. And then following the immediate like hospital needs, you know, we had a firefighter at the hospital almost around the clock, just sometimes just sitting in the waiting room just to be available if we needed something. And part of that's just the brotherhood of the fire service, but I think part of that's just humans helping humans and, and people seeing someone in pain or trouble and stepping up and saying, hey, I'm here for you. And they kind of set up a rotation where people would come in and they would just be there if the family needed food, if, the, if we needed um, something to go get something or someone to go get something for us. And if we needed something like that, they were on it. And we kind of had people there all the time that were just available. Um, not pushy, not, hey, what can I do for you? You know, and always in your face or I'm just going to do this because I think you need it. They just were there and present and available. And that, I think, was really, really helpful It was in, in those times. Um, and especially for you, because there were times when it was just either you or my mom or just my sister, or, you know, just, you know, just a couple people around and knowing that you're not alone and that there's someone available if you need them. Yeah, because sometimes you would take a nap and that was our chance to kind of take a breather. And there was somebody to talk to mm -hmm. that just cared. Yep. That was the whole reason they were there. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then eventually, you know, post hospital after, you know, we went through that time when we, there were just a lot of people there at the hospital. We went home back to the, you know, the tri-level that we talked about in the first episode where it just wasn't accessible for us. And the community saw that need. Um, so one of the people in our, you know, kind of our core group of friends saw the housing need that we had and they said, Hey, we can work on taking care of that for you. They had a piece of property they were about to build their house on and thought, well, we've got a ranch house that we really don't have anything that we really don't need. We're going to rally the troops and we're going to pr prepare this for you. So a company donate a general contractor for the job. We had an HVAC company come with a heating and air system. We had you know, just people coming out of the woodwork, a company that donated the windows. I mean, custom uh, cabinetry. Yeah, custom cabinetry, the cabinets. I mean, they bumped the whole back wall of the house off and dug new footers and put a big extension on. I mean, they, people just kept coming out saying, hey, what can I do? And they just filled needs. And, you know, like we talked about that, uh, that line from Forrest Gump, we kind of felt that throughout that process where it's, Every time we turned around, we were just thinking, wow, one less thing. You know, the housing's taken care of. We got people to donate money, donated money, and then we could get a car that was accessible. And, you know, we were just able to get needs met 
a lot of times before we even realized the need was there. Yes. I mean, it was really remarkable. You know, and even non-things that weren't needs. We even had a group of Boy Scouts that raised money so I could buy a hand cycle because people knew I liked a bicycle. So the Boy Scouts said, hey, well, let's raise money and let's help them get a hand cycle. So that, that was just a want. And the Boy Scouts said, well, we'll take that piece. And they went and did that. And then even from my old fire department, they organized a full-service gas station, a gas station that was normally self-serve. They made it a full-service gas station for a day and just took donations from people. They pumping their gas, washing their windows and things like that for people coming to this gas station and raised a bunch of money that way. So people just poured out. Yeah, there was one more event that we should say, too, at our church. They made like this big concert and a buddy that we knew from the Young Life Ministry came and sang at it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the outpouring just from that night was unbelievable. And it was people from the school that I worked at and the people from our church that came together and put on that fundraiser for us as well and raised a significant amount of money. Yeah, and, and it, it, it just continued like that. And even today when I need help with something, it's not very far away. It seems like I, I just make a couple texts or a couple phone calls and I, you know, people come out and help us out. And it's just cool to have that community. And... But it goes both ways. I think people yeah. know they could call on us. Right. And we would be helpful. And, and that's that give and take that's needed. Yeah. And you and I have talked about that, that, you know, we need to invest in people and invest in those relationships and not, you know, selfishly like, oh, someday if I have a, if I have a crisis, I, I want people around me. But just because you want to be a good human being to other human beings, you want to be kind to people and build good, strong relationships with people. Um, I think that's just really important to always be investing in people so that if they have a crisis, you're there for them. And if you, you have a crisis, they're there for you. And you, it kind of goes both ways. Well, it's a village. You want to build a village. Yep. But with that said, it's not always easy to handle that outpour of support. Complex relational stuff that goes on in those situations where it's not always easy to accept that help. And it, there's hurdles there. You know, for me... During that time, I was, it was kind of an out-of-body experience. People just kept telling me these things were happening. I just was like, great. And they were, they were kind of giving me the highlight reel of what all was taking place. And, and I was kind of a spectator of my own show. Like I really wasn't heavily involved in the decision-making of a lot of things. And people did, did things that I was just there for. And, and it was just really cool. But that also comes with its own baggage of, you know, you kind of lose control of your own life in a lot of ways because people are doing things. And, you know, and, and Meredith may speak, will speak on this for a second too, but you just lose control of your life and people are just doing things. And sometimes you just grasp onto something or trying to grasp onto something you can control. Yeah, mine was a lamp. <laughs> Meredith was a lamp. <laughs> if you struggle like I can sometimes... I'm a need not want not person is what I found out through my counselor is I like to know that I can help other people. It's hard for me to accept help from other people. Mm-hmm. That's something that I had to learn and still working on and learning, but I feel like I've grown from. Um, but for me, it was a lamp. Yep. I just felt like it was amazing. All these people helping us. It was so amazing. But the, 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 for some reason that day, it caught me of okay, I'm tired of feeling out of control. I want to control one decision. They're asking me about a lamp and I'm going to stick my feet in the gun and say, this is the lamp I want. 
And they were like, but you have all these other options. I'm like, I don't care. This is the lamp I want. I don't know why I did that. But now looking back, I think it was that I, I got to decide something today, something mm-hmm. today that I can control because my life feels completely flips up, upside down. For me, it was, here's my awesome husband that I see now hurting every day. This is a lot to take. Um, and I can't fix it for him. And that was so hard for me. I wanted, I still today struggle with wanting to fix this for him, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you watch a loved one go through something that you can't fix for them, it is very, very hard and difficult. I think that day it was, you know what? I'm deciding this lamp. It, it's something that I have to work through. I have to allow people coming in and realizing they're here to help me. Mm-hmm even when I'm feeling out of control. But the person that's coming to help, if, you know, from our perspective, if sometimes when you're going to go help somebody that is going through a completely flips up upside down life, know that you may get bit, but it doesn't mean it's about you. And I hope that's good advice to somebody because um, if, if you're trying to go love somebody that's going through something right now, know that you're not going to catch them in a happy mood every day. Mm-hmm. because they're not they're in the muck and the muck is hard yeah you may be going in with the absolute best of intentions and um you may be doing everything right but just know that this person's going through a trauma going through a crisis and their response may not always be be the most loving just because they have a lot of other stuff going on and that's and that's always um just good to know from, and we're going to talk about that more here in a minute on how to approach someone that's experiencing that and how we think be, is, is a really good just way to approach people. But it's interesting when you look at our story, what I think what made it work so well is that we had really a tight nucleus of people around us, really our core people that really knew us well, knew our needs, knew our desires, and they really pulled in close around us and we pulled them close to us in those moments. So when, when someone that maybe not didn't know us that well wanted to do something, that person didn't need to come to us because we had, a lot of, we had enough to worry about already. They could come to somebody in that kind of that inner circle of people in that tight knit group of people around us and say, hey, what can we do for them? I want to do something for them, or I think that I can do this. Can Do you think that would be good? And they can kind of speak on your behalf and kind of take you off the hook of having to orchestrate all of this support and love. And, and people have the best of intentions, and we and we value that. But then also, it sometimes when someone doesn't have that real tight core of people around them, it becomes an added burden then to then have to orchestrate all of this help and all of the support. And tra- and then, then it becomes a whole nother project on them when they're already having to deal with enough. So it's good if, if you're friends with somebody or close to somebody who's going through a crisis or going through a trauma and they're kind of pulling you in next to them, know that you're their core. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they're pulling you in close to them. And sometimes there isn't the perfect phrase to say, there's no silver bullet that you're going to do to fix their problem. And you're not the solution to their problem. What you are is a shoulder to cry on, somebody to hug, or maybe even in some situations, someone to laugh with because there is nothing else in my life that's laughable right now. And sometimes you just got to be sometimes in that awkward silence with them and just be present and just being present with them in that moment so that they know they're not alone and they've 
got you there with them. And also you then serve as kind of some insulation between them and everyone else that wants to help and do stuff. And you can kind of be kind of a liaison between all the people that want to help and that person to help kind of take some of that burden off of them. Um, we just think that we want to take all that, harness all that energy of all these people that want to help that person and make sure it's going in the right direction. And, and you can kind of help facilitate that as one of their, one of their people. Yeah. And I think the word present is the best word of the action you need to do when you're going to go help someone. Mm -hmm. That act of presence is more than you realize. Yeah. When I would have just somebody come just sit with me, that meant so much more to me than somebody that came and fixed something in my house. Just, that was important, but mm -hmm. I, I felt like my life is out of control. I need somebody to sit here with me in it and just be there. Right. And so that was always what was really important to me and what I have seen when I've been with friends going through things that just being there spoke volumes. Yeah. So if you're struggling with somebody close to you that's going through something and you're like, what do I do? Uh, my best advice to you from somebody that's gone through something, just go. Yep. And you'll never regret going. Right. You'll only regret not going. So if your gut's telling you this person's really struggling, I need to be near them, then go be near them. Have some emotional intelligence while you're there. Is it is the person being comforted by me being here, or does it, or do they seem to be um, being more elevated emotionally by me being there? Just kind of have a pulse on is is this beneficial for them for me to be here and and put make a game day decision when you're there. But I would say err on the side of going there and being being present with them in in that moment. Whenever we think about this, it, I I can't help but think about all the people that I've gone. I, I go and visit spinal cord injury patients at the hospital that I was at. And I can always tell within the first few minutes whether or not the person has a good, strong community around them or not. You can almost tell in their face and just tell in their energy and their demeanor and just their mood whether or not they feel like they're on an island by themselves or whether or not they have a rally of crew behind uh, around them being this with them. You can, I can always tell that. And, and it's so... Um, heartbreaking to see people navigate a traumatic life-altering event alone. And I would just encourage um, people to reach out to someone that is going through those times, even though it might be hard for you. Um, you may be the only person they have. Um, and I would and I would really encourage you to reach out and, you know, be there for them if they need you. You came up with a good analogy that I think you should share. Yeah, so when... You watch these National Geographic uh, videos of the predator attacking its prey. They always look for the weak one, and they always try to break it away from the pack. So in these moments when you've got a predator, which in this case is your trauma or your crisis, when that predator is attacking this person, we need to surround that person with strong people and a strong community to protect them from that predator. You are getting caught in a very weak moment. And if you look at these packs, the outer, the animals on the outside of those packs are the stronger, bigger members of the pack because they're protecting their young and protecting their weaker members. And I think it's really important for us to, when we see somebody vulnerable, when we see somebody that's weak, rallying around them and protecting them so they don't get broken off from that group and become 
a prey and become um, beaten by the predator. I think that's all we were really hoping to um, talk about today. Anything else from you, Dave? Yeah, I just, I hope from our story, you guys get encouraged. That's always our goal in this, in our time with you. And we appreciate you spending your time to listen and we hope you're able to take something away or maybe somebody that you know um, that might be going through something that maybe they could listen and maybe feel like, hey, somebody gets me. We, we hope that that happens. I'm kind of bummed I didn't throw a pun out. So I'm really, I apologize. Um, <laughs> now they're coming. There's always the uh, next episode. Yeah. But anyway, on, on a good note, like I just, like Johnny said, we really appreciate you guys supporting us and listening and um, being a part of this journey with us. Yeah. And that, and then on that note, we really want to thank you for tuning in. And if you want to reach out, we are at mordinarypodcast at gmail.com. If you um, like our Facebook page or like our Instagram account or follow us on Instagram, we are at Mordinary. And you can um, share these episodes with a friend that you think would be helpful and give us a rate or a review on um, iTunes or whatever app you're listening to us on. And that really helps people find us. And with that, we will catch you next time.